so I, I've, I've run two now uh, events, um, and literally we've had people from all over the world. I mean, I, I have to say, I haven't got locations on them, but I've, I've actually got up some of the time zones, and it's, it's literally spanning the, the entire time zone sort of spectrum. Howdy, friends. Craig here. we got another great episode for you. This time we're talking to Steve Johnson and Dan Brown over in the UK. These are two gentlemen that uh, have been involved with and have been using Vassal. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Vassal, it's a way for you to basically play Malifaux online with another human being. Uh, so we walk you through the episode, uh, how to install it, um, how to use it, uh, the benefits of it, some of the drawbacks as well. Um, we then uh, finish up by doing uh, a couple hot takes from the English GT, which uh, happened uh, right after, uh, right before when we recorded. We have an interesting discussion about the where Guild falls as far as the power curve and uh, whether we can look at recent performance of Guild and some of the uh, English GT results and other results as an indicator of their strength. And uh, I also force them to pick at least one model that needs some love and one model that needs some attention. So make sure you stick to the end. Enjoy. strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we have two guests, Dan Brown and Steve Johnson, who are experts at playing Malifaux online using the program called Vassal. Uh, now, Dan, you've been using Vassal for a long time. Welcome to the third floor. Um, the first thing I'd like to know, though, before we get into playing Malifaux online is how did you end up finding Malifaux at all? Because I know you've been playing for a while. Yeah, so I started out wargaming way back when, uh, sort of Warhammer 40k 3rd edition. Um, from there, moved on to Fantasy, um, and then sort of from there, the Death of Fantasy got into looked at that, looking at all the games my local group. Um, so play things like X-Wing, uh, Guild Ball, stuff like that. And then uh, went mm-hmm. on to playing uh, Malifaux. I was like, this game's great. So my local group then moved on to some other things. We, put, we tend to rotate through games. And I was like, well, I want to play this more. Where on earth can I play this game more regularly? And that's actually how I stumbled across Vassal itself. Um, you know, it was on the weird website, so on pop up like oh this sounds interesting let's give it a go um and i've been hooked ever since so just out of curiosity dan um like percentage wise for every game that you play in real life how many vassal games are you getting in oh i i, I must have played maybe 20 or so 30 games in real life to nearly 100 games of um vassal since the uh start of the beta i've I've lost count of how many I've played overall. Oh, wow. So so like three to one almost. Pretty much, yes. Nice. Very nice. All right. Our second guest is uh, Steve Johnson. Steve, welcome to the fir- third floor. Uh, how did you end up becoming a Malifaux player? Hi, Craig. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I mean, I've been a long time game. I started with Rogue Trader 40k. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm an old man as well. So, um it's i've gone through lots of games like everyone else has really um i actually picked it up in first edition i saw a pandora box and teddy thought that looks great so i picked up a couple of crew boxes um i tried it onto my local club at the time couldn't get anyone interested so it kind of died off for a bit i went off played war machine did that competitively um i've moved around a lot so i came back to the uk from a, a posting and um they were playing Malifaux and it's just the start of second edition. I picked up a Vix box and, you know, now I'm up to about 27 masters been playing it, <laughs> <laughs> as most can probably uh, think. And uh, I've been playing it since um, competitively, like pretty much straight from the start of second ed all the way through. Very nice. Now, something that's interesting to me, Steve, is we recently in the last probably year or so um, picked up, I don't know, 
I would say four or five new players here in the uh, North Carolina area that came from War Machine. Uh, so they were big competitive War Machine players, start poking around, getting interested in Malifaux, and now, you know, don't play War Machine anymore. They just play Malifaux. Um, as somebody who did, you know, did both, um, how, how kind of, what kind of transition is that? And like, uh, why do you think that we were able to pick up so many War Machine players? Um, I think. For me and a lot of others, it's when they change from their second to third edition. I don't know why <clears throat> it was just like themes and stuff like that wasn't working out. I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, the competitive environment got so much over the top compared to, you know, we've just come from nationals this weekend and it's been like the most laid back seven games. You compare yeah. that to War Machine, it's not the same thing. Um, I think one of the biggest transitions though was obviously going from learning to protect your leader to, well, I can throw this in now. And as long as it completes the schemes, it doesn't matter if it dies. Uh, right. Cause if I remember, and I've never played war machine, but that's, that's one of the win conditions or it's the win condition, right? It's taking out the wizard. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had some, um, other ways of scoring victory points, but you could win by taking out the, um, like the Warcaster or warlock as it war was. Caster, right. Um, my problem was, <laughs> As most of the people will know me, I'm quite an aggressive player. I was in there, so I'd kill their warlock very quickly, <laughs> which means I could win all my games, but I wouldn't win the tournament because I didn't have enough victory points, which was like the second um, deciding factor. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so you would you would you would go into it not losing a game, but because you didn't score in the other methods, uh, it prevented you from taking the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So I guess when you're playing War Machine, you have to find that balance theoretically. Um, yeah, I never did. I just like, <laughs> I like killing things. It's my, my way of playing. <laughs> which is which is why we talk about the Vix, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, Dan, I know you're a, a Rezzer player because uh, uh, you and I have talked on the Rezzer chat. Um, what other factions have you dabbled with? Um, so I pretty much played uh, um, your favorite faction, Arcanist, throughout M2. Um, I was known as a sort of uh, Arcanist player throughout M2. Um, I mean, I started off with Rezus when I very first started. Um, my first game was with Morning, actually. Um, really enjoyed him. Um, but something didn't quite click somewhere. I don't know whether it was the play style or the fluff. I'm not too sure. Um, and then read Ironside Story one day. I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. is incredible. You know, in a world where you've got angry demon ladies and, you know, weird magic stuff and necromancy, you've got a woman who just runs around punching people. And that just, that was like, hey, this is amazing. So I played Arcanist <laughs> for a long time. Um, and then sort of towards the end of the beta, I was like, I want to try something new. So messed around on Basel, which is what it's great. One of the things it's great for is trying out new things. Yeah. So I played through a lot of Bayou. I played through some Neverborn, played through uh, a few bits and pieces of Guild, um, and then got onto Rezzers and found that I really liked Rezzers. Um, there was some really, really cool stuff that you could do with Rezzers. I like Molly, I like Rye, stuff like that. So it was just like, yeah, this sounds great. And so I've now picked up 90% of the Rezzer faction. It um, That's actually a good point, Dan. Um, and of course, we're going to get into this a little bit more in just a second. But I think one of the things, if we were to list the benefits of Vassal, is the ability is that you don't have to buy a single model and you can play whatever you want. Yeah, it's a really, really good system for that. So I wouldn't have, I'd be still testing at this stage, you know, having bought two, maybe three crews, I guess, and sort of getting that test period in to try and figure out what you like and what you don't like. Because I think the thing with Malifaux is you can like the sort of how Master looks on paper or how the Master looks in the fluff and then play the game and find it doesn't quite suit you an awful lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Steve? What is your uh, faction that you're concentrated on right now? Um, I, I tend to have a bit of faction paralysis on choice. Um, I bounce around between factions, even running up to the Nationals. I went, like the week before I was running my Arcanists, the week before that I was using my Outcast, the week before I was on Neverborn. Um, <laughs> I knew what I was taking to Nationals, I ended up taking Thunders. But um, nice. I've, I've bounced around, you know, I, my first tournament this year in third edition was um outcasts um then i took Res- thunders to one and then for the scottish gt i actually put it up to a vote because i couldn't decide and uh they voted never born so i took never born 
Very nice. Very nice. So guys, what I'm going to try to do today is I really want to learn from uh, both Steve and from Dan um, exactly what Vassal is. I think some of us have heard about Vassal. I'm sure a lot of the listeners didn't even know that Vassal exists and that you can play uh, Malifaux online. So we're going to get an understanding of what exactly the program is, how you get it set up, because that's, I think, one of the challenges that some people face. And uh, then, you know, how do you play through it and how does it work? And then we're going to talk a little bit about how playing online versus playing in real life, it can vary. And we'll get uh, some tips and tricks from uh, these guys as well. So Steve, let's uh, pretend uh, we have a listener out there who has never heard of Vassal. Can you kind of give us an overview or an idea of what we're talking about? Uh, Vassal then is a 2D uh, online tabletop, really. Um, You know, we think of it as you look down on a picture from the top, um, and you see all the terrain and everything else. We have little numbers on them to say, like terrain height, like buildings, stuff like that. Um, and then you've got the counters for the models, all with the correct bases, 30, 40, 50 mil. Um, and we can put in extra bits just to give deployment zones, all these little tools and tips, which we'll probably go through over this. Um, but in general, yeah, it's, it's an online tabletop as seen from 2D. And as we know, Malifaux is pretty much the rules are based on 2D with a little bit to account for height. Um, yep. So it works really well as a as a 2D platform. Um, that's basically what it boils down to. And you can play against anyone in the world, really, if you get in the right time zone with them. Yeah, and I think one of the big things to understand, too, about Vassal is Vassal is is not made for Malifaux. It's, it's made for playing tabletop games online. And then there's uh, a module that allows you to play Malifaux. Um, don't, that's pretty accurate don't you think dan yeah i mean that's i mean i'll say a a big big thank you to steve for updating the module actually for m3 um one of the things that i was wanting to sort of i guess say about it was it's the first thing i'd say is it's not there to replace your tuesday night games uh with your friends or um the saturday tournament going to um but yes it is it is it is oh there's Tons of different games. I was actually having a look on the Vassal website um, before the thing, uh, and there is hundreds upon hundreds of different games on there. Um, so there is all the stuff that you know people are interested. I've played other games outside of Malifaux. There is stuff on there. Um, but yes, there, it, the module is very good for playing um, uh, Malifaux on. Yeah. So I think probably the first thing I'd like to talk about, um, and Steve, I didn't realize that you were the guy responsible for the M3 module. So I, wow, that's pretty cool. To, to a degree. I mean, I can't take responsibility for creating it. I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I've had experience with Vassal in the past. I was um, I did Babylon 5, A Call to Arms a long time ago uh, from Mongoose Publishing. I did the Vassal module for them. Um, and I know how to kind of get into the workings behind it and update it. I can't, I say, create one from scratch. Um, gotcha. But certainly updating it's fairly easy. And I mean, I'm even now, I'm, I've actually kind of downloaded a War Machine module because I used to play War Machine on, I mean, people who play War Machine miniatures know they play on a flat board anyway with 2D terrain. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of stealing some of the terrain out there module to put into the Vassal one. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So Steve, if, um, obviously the first thing someone needs to do is they need to go to the, to the Vassal website. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't want to walk people through how to install it, but, um, you know, you guys have helped a lot of people get onto Vassal. So I'm wondering, Steve, you can give us kind of some of the traps to watch out for as far, as far as installing or the common questions you often get. I mean, installation is really easy. Obviously, you've got to have, it's a Java-based system, um, so and every computer has that anyway. Um, that I know of, I think it only works on Windows. I'm not sure if anyone's got it written on Mac. I think there's the occasional person that has, but they may have more struggle. Um, but yeah, from the Vassal website, you get the basic Vassal program. And open that up, and then literally uh, download the module you want. Obviously, Malifaux 3rd Edition one, you can search for that in their modules, and we'll post some probably get you to post some links in the show notes as well i'm sure yeah we'll have all the Um, links yep um and once you've downloaded that click you know um open module and then that'll take you to where you've got your module stored and double click that and it will open that module from there you have options on whether you open a game just on your computer locally or you look for a game online and go from there and it's as simple as that once you've got the module and the program and it's loaded into the vassal module every time you open it up that one will be listed there and you can uh, just double click and start it up again 
So th- that brings up two points, Steve. So, um, so Dan, um, yeah, obviously the first thing we need to figure out is um, how to find a player. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I would anticipate that you would, it would be much easier if you're having a voice over IP conversation with your opponent. So just generally speaking, what do people use um, as far as being able to, you know, talk to each other while they play? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the main two sort of ways I've heard people playing is either over the Discord so there is a Malifaux Vassal Discord group um, that we can put, I'm sure, again, we can put links to the in the um, in the chat or what have you at the end, um, show notes and what have you. Um, I have seen it done over Skype as well. Um, I was actually chatting to a couple of the guys in the UK group afterward uh, before I hit this, and we have actually got it running on, I think there was somebody who got it running on a Mac, um, and with a lot of tinkering and messing around, it can be run on Linux as well. I'm not a tech wizard by any chance mm-hmm. uh, set, so I, I have to say I don't know how they got it working, but it is doable, um, but it would probably need somebody with a lot of computer knowledge to get that up and running. In terms of running on Windows, again, as Steve said, it's so simple to set up once you've got the sort of you know, get the module downloaded, get the uh, sort of the Vassal program downloaded, and then you download the module from our Facebook group, uh, and then you just play from there. That's great. So, um, so Dan, what is probably uh, some of the easier ways to to kind of get a game, um, other than you know your buddy across town? Um, so we have a Vassal players Facebook group uh, for Malifaux. Um, so there's games quite often regular. Uh, organized through that um, i said you can get games through the discord group itself um i'm actually running or i have run this year two competitions post the beta um for malapo m3e and we've had about 25 30 people in that um, and we've got some upcoming stuff in the new year i'm taking a bit of a break from malapo because i've burnt myself out playing so many games of it in the beta um <laughs> so i'm taking a short break myself from running stuff but uh I'm, I'm sure there may be something up between now and Christmas, maybe, who knows. Um, but certainly in the new year, um, there's sort of, I've got some exciting plans for what I want to do with the module in terms of uh, stuff that I want to be running, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Um, but yeah, as I said, Discord, there's plenty of people posting on the Discord, the Facebook group. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Vassal uh, Facebook group, I, I'm a member of that. And uh, you know, I see, see people uh, looking for games there and people getting matched up. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I imagine, you know, the, obviously the more people we have playing, the better off it is. And I think, uh, Dan, you mentioned it, that one of the big challenges is the, t- is the, uh, time zones because something that's actually really great about playing this online via Vassal is you get a chance to play against people that you don't normally play against. Um, and if anybody who's listened to the podcast knows that I'm a big proponent of getting as many games on the road as you possibly can, because, uh, you kind of get, um, insulated in, in your own little metas. And when you go to something like the UK nationals, or you go to something like Nova here in the States, you encounter people that are playing the game a little bit different, all playing with the same rules and everything, but tactically are, are looking at it different. And I think that's another thing that we could say is, is really great is on Vassal, you'll have a chance to truly play with uh, people that you would not normally play with. Um, so let's do this gentlemen, let's take a quick break. And when we get back from this break, I want to talk a little bit more about actual gameplay. So if someone is playing their first game of Vassal, um, mechanically, how do things work? What's controlled by the game? What's controlled by you? What are things that you have to get an understanding uh, about between you and the uh, other player you're up against? So we'll be right back. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi guys and girls, ladies and gents, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm the Southwest boy living in the southeast of the UK. I contribute $18, well £13 a month to Third Floor Wars. And why? Well, I work 50 hours a week as a supermarket manager, have three children, so in my spare time, I just want to play phone. And if I can't do that, the next best thing is listening to the Third Floor Wars podcast. Not only do I hear about what I play and the gaps in my knowledge, but I also hear about all of the cruising tactics that I need to beat and often how they've even performed in recent tournament reports. The online store has some great merchandise, including t-shirts and mugs to buy now to show your support. You should be at Patreon too. So pause this episode and go to patreon.com and search for Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. So now that we got an idea, you know, of how to get the game installed, um, and uh, I can tell you as somebody who's done it, um, it's not that hard. And if I can do it, just about anybody can do it. Um, and we also now learn that there's routes to get players. Um, I will say one of the challenges I had, and it wasn't a big one, but it was a little bit of a speed bump, is, you know, learning where to click. Learning, you know, what what is the module control? What's out of my control? How does the deck work? How do the rulers work? So, Steve, um, here's the scenario is uh, you've got an idiot like me sitting in front of his computer playing on playing m3e for the first time on vassal you're standing right behind me what are kind of the first two or three things i need to understand or learn in order to be able to play the game uh, well hopefully um for your first game we'll get you in with someone who's uh, played it before anyway i mean i've run a few people through new um dan has and some of the other guys out there they're really good at running people through uh, i mean there is a help book in there which just go over it but it is always easier to have someone on hand who's who knows what they're doing yeah so first things, I mean, the game's set up fairly easy like anyone else. Um, when you actually join the module, someone will create a room um, and then they'll bring one of the map up. We've, I think we've got 30 pre-generated maps at the moment. Um, wow. I'm always asking for people to make more. If they make up a map, save it with no models on it and no turns taken, um, I can upload it to the module. And it, the next time I release a uh, update, it will go on to there. So obviously you need your map. That's the mo- one of the most important things for the game because if you haven't got a board, you haven't got a game, have you? Um, right. And then obviously uh, there's the card decks. There's a couple of little buttons that do the cards um, for player one, player two, depending on which you've selected. Um, player, If you're player two and click on any of player one's buttons on his cards, they won't work. You can mm-hmm. move his deck, but it does come up and tell you that someone's interfering with your deck, and obviously you start asking your opponent, what are you up to? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can't, again, like with a, a cheat hand, you can't see their cards. So when, when they've dragged them down to an area, you've got like the, where the deck is, then you've got like where your hand is. Once you drag them down to there, they can't be seen by your opponent anyway until you flip them. So, you know, the cards are pretty good. Yeah. So I was going to say that. So I think that's one thing to call out, though, which is really nice, is that the entire card mechanic is handled by the program, right? So the, you have a deck, the de- the vassal shuffles it for you, it deals your hands for you, it randomizes the card flips and stuff, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, you can, um, there's buttons within like the card deck, if you like, as well, that uh, allow you to flip one, two, three, or four cards, because obviously we're not flipping more than four cards. If you press one of those, it will flip the required amount and then you can um, just kind of move them over to your discard pile or just click a discard button and it'll put them in the discard pile for you. So there are quick um, buttons, if you like, that will do the things that you need for you. Um, so once you've got your deck, obviously the next thing is sorting out your straps and schemes. That's flipped like normal. You need to know the rules yourself because the rules are not included within Vassal, but they are obviously online for free. Um, and then it's getting models. Everything that we have in the game is under a tab at the top called objects and that's models and it's drop down menus for things like your faction then each of the uh, things like masters enforcers henchmen within that faction and everyone will have a model and you just drag them down to the board and place them is the simple way there is a sideboard which is hidden so you can build your crew in secret but i mean for initial games yeah i just drag them onto the i probably have a crew ready set up drag it onto the board and uh, show someone and get them to drag theirs on just to get them initially into the game as it were yeah, and I think that um, you know, it's I guess another call out here too is, you know, it's not it's again, this is a place to to 
to mimic a tabletop game. So you're going to be using your crew builder app to build your crew. You're going to, you're going to, you know, put the models down the way you would put them down on the table, which means that, you know, Vassal's not going to tell you, whoa, that's more than 50 stones. Um, uh, you know, that stuff that you have to control the same as if you were playing against somebody in real life, um, and going back and forth. Exactly. And as um, you had in your recent uh, show with uh, DZ, you can even, you know, you can share your crews beforehand, the same as obviously you shared a crew with him. So you can even do that. And then you just come in and put the model straight onto the board without bothering about the sideboard. Because you both know each other's crew. So it's something you can do anywhere around the world, isn't it? You know, that's what they've done with their cloud-based thing. So it's actually really good for that. So we got our models on the board. Um, We're ready to deploy. So Dan, um, how, how does deployment work in Vassal mechanically? Um, so once you've got your map up um, across the top of the map, there will be actually sort of different deployment types. So you can click on each of the buttons and it will bring up uh, colored zones. So you can bring up your wedge, you can bring up your, your flank and stuff like that. Um, and it's just a matter of sort of dragging. Uh, so you obviously you'll determine the attacker defender. And it's just dragging your uh, the models into place. So the, as I said, the models are all sort of freestanding within sort of the map as such. They're not sort of connected to anything so you can sort of drag them towards stuff um and then it's just a matter of uh, going from there really and i said it's just the they're all marked out uh, all zones are well are done, sort of marked out and it's just dropping the models into place really uh dan no different than what you do on the table right whereas especially if you had a, ma- a map that has the zones already uh uh printed on it e- exactly i mean it's 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 exactly the same as the pre-printed zones um, and I said for people who don't have maps with preprinted zones, it's it's. I mean, I've just picked up two myself uh, recently, and I have to say they're probably one of the best investments I've done for any gaming system because I hate measuring out deployment zones. It's such a faff. So let's also now let's now we're all deployed. Um, now, obviously, how about like things like the cards? The cards you have to have the physical cards in front of you or have you know the app or something, right, Steve? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you need you do need the cards. Um, or the app, whichever one works for you, whichever you want to do. I tend to have actually, even when I'm playing Vassal, I'll have the cards laid out on the desk in front of me because I find it easier to play with cards. I pick them off to see which each side, all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So you do need the cards. The rules, you know, literally all this is providing is a map and pseudo models, you know, counters that represent the models. Um, the rest of it is playing um, as you would play a game anyway, once you learn the actual ins and outs. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that you can do too is that you could do this in conjunction with the M3 app, right? So I could have the game, you know, we could connect the game and track the game together on the app. Um, and I could that's make it real easy for us to see each other's lists and everything again, just as if we're on the table. I think Steve, the the way you put it is perfect, is the only thing that Vassal is doing is is giving us a surface, giving us terrain, and giving us models. Everything else is the same as real life. Exactly. I mean you can add, even if you don't like the pre-generated maps as well, you can add more terrain to them um, you can even move the terrain around one of the things a c- common complaint that comes to me is oh, i can't move the terrain um there is a quick thing for that if you literally hold down shift and select a piece of terrain it then becomes free form and you can move it around and you place it click off it and it will stay there then again it oh, becomes nice. like a terrain so it is a common um misconception that oh this this map's rubbish i don't like it i can't move this out of the way or if there's turf war and there's an impassable train sat on the turf war marker um, it is possible to move those around. Um, so it's just a shift click, right? Uh, yeah, just shift click. Um, you know, I just don't know. Uh, I've got a map up and I just move a train around. Uh, it is a complaint. And the problem is I think people aren't used to it. And there is all these little, tiny little bits and pieces um, that they don't know. And it kind of puts them off playing it. But once you get into it, it is, you know, it's just as uh, straightforward as playing a normal game. And the thing is, you can't knock your models or terrain when you're moving. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to paint them, which I know for some people is a big deal. Definitely Um, for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, So I think the one big tip that I'll give everybody here um, is the one that's already been mentioned, which is it um, getting your first game in with somebody who's experienced, I think will help because this kind of stuff that Steve is telling you right now, um, you know, having somebody on the other side of your Skype call or discord um, to kind of walk you through it is good. One of the other things that I want to talk about is kind of measurements. So Dan, you know, built into the uh, vassal has the ability to bring up rulers and to measure Um, any tricks or tips on how to use that ruler. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll go back 
briefly to something that's measured, uh, measured that Steve mentioned. And the uh, one of the great things about the actual battle module is it will track all your conditions and wounds on the module itself. Oh, nice! So all the models will come um, first of all with a number on the bottom. That's their number of wounds, um, and then if you, there is sort of like keyboard shots and cuts and stuff. Um, but again, you can right-click on the model, and it'll bring you up a little menu of stuff. So you can add things like burning, poison. Uh, you can add things like, I think there's like staggered and stuff up on there like that. Uh, you can change the rims of different things. So, for example, turf war markers, if you're turning them on and off, you can sort of turn them to your faction's rim as such um, and stuff like that. Um, in terms of measurements, uh, you can sort of mess around with rules and stuff like that. Um, one of the easiest ways to do it, I find, is that they, you can put an R up around your model. So if you're sort of measuring in a straight line as such, you know, you're checking ranges, you know, for shooting or for casting, casting spells, um, or you want to see an aura, you can actually put an aura up, and that will measure in inches that particular aura. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can set, you know, you can put a model. If you know you've got a model with a six-inch aura, you can have that stay on the model, and then you can say, right, I know that I need to end up within six inches of that particular model for my next bit. Uh, it's a little bit sort of forecasting to you about what's going on, but it's useful if you've got something with a static aura. You know, for example, you've got Jack who's at least minus one willpower aura. You know, you can stick that up, and your opponent knows, and you know exactly what's in it all the time then. Yeah, I think, Dan, that's a good example of one of the things that is makes the it makes it better than playing on the table. Is that aura function and being able to put up that uh put up those bubbles make it real easy. Yeah, it's a really, really good tool. Um I said I I um you you know, you've got great overlap. Uh, and I said if you're looking to try and say, well, you know, who's in whose engagement zone and stuff like that, it works for that as well. Um in terms of model moving, um essentially it all comes down to um, sort of directional buttons then and control and shift. Um, so essentially, to move a model, you press up and down and that'll move it forward and backwards an inch. If you press left and right, it'll then start. Basically, when you click on a model, it comes up with a little arrow. And left and right will turn the arrow around and you can move it forward and back across that arrow sort of direction, I guess. Um, I believe control, if memory serves right, um, it essentially turns it into half inches. So you can move at a, a tighter angle or in smaller sections. Then shift is essentially you get a free control and over that model. So you can move it. There's extra couple of millimeter control you might need um, to get to a really tight spot or you know just put it exactly in the right place you need it. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's just on the, on the measurement thing. As I mean, because you talked about the uh, the rulers. To be honest, the rulers we generally only use for line of sight checking when it's a bit um, ambiguous because it just puts a straight line down the table. You can check line of sight. As Dan was saying, you can use the auras to see if things are in range. Um, the auras actually go up to 20 inches, so it doesn't work quite so well for the snipers now. Um, I haven't worked out how to add, <laughs> increase the auras up to 24, but um, you can kind of put a tape measure on the end of that. And um, it's like with a lot of friendly games of Malifaux, it is rule of intent as well. So, you know, yeah. even it's a case of using an aura, right, I've got Kerry, she's got a six-inch flight, um, here's a six-inch aura, I'll place it within it. And you can also clone the model and leave the model behind that's the original and move the new one to like the edge of that six-inch aura. Right. I okay, did I'm not happy know that. that. Yeah, and it'll clone everything that's on it. If it's got conditions on it, if it's wound state, everything that is on that model, if you clone it, it will come up with another one. And you can, like I say, if you've got a six-inch aura and you want to do flight and because you've got to stay within that six, so you place the new one down, your opponent's happy, delete the original one, and you're left with the clone which has got all the stats and exactly the same um, game state as you were on. Very nice. And how do you do that cloning? Is that a right-click menu option? or It is a right-click menu option. As with most right-click menu options, there are um, quick um, keys. If you play Vassal enough, you do tend to pick them up. Um, if you've got the model selected, Control-C will clone it, and then um, the clone should be the one that you is freely movable under your mouse, and the other one should stay where it is. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you get to learn the, the quick clicks but if you don't know them you can right click and it's not much slower than uh, you know um doing the quick ones quick keys anyway so dan um you know i think we've kind of hinted at it but if you were to list um things that are better about playing malifaux and vassal than in real life uh, wh- what would that list look like well not having to paint because i don't like painting <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's just a matter of as i said you can 
you're 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 not having to sort of mess around with okay, I've got a eight. There's no traveling involved. You know, you don't have to travel for miles to get games and what have you. Um, you can have two or three games in the evenings um, without the sort of worrying about what time you're going to get back home and stuff like that. I said think, things like the auras. The auras are great. Um, being able to sort of see an instant. Okay, what's it with the you know sort of who's within whose aura? You've got an overlap, not off, uh, sort of overlapping auras and stuff like that. It's Vassal's great for that. Um, sort of those things where you're having to map out tricky little movements. So if you're you know as Steve said when you're cloning stuff. If you're saying, right, this is what I want to do, but I'm not quite sure, can I get there? Sort of on tabletop, it might have to be getting out bases and measuring everything out. You can literally clone your model and walk through step by step. And if you can't get to where you want to get to, you can then delete the clone and go back to the original and redo the move and not have to worry about putting your markers down and measuring every little thing out. Yeah. How about you, Steve? Are there things that you enjoy about playing on Vassal versus uh, in real life? Yeah, definitely have been able to almost look at the table state and you can see it all exactly there in front of you. I mean, I've actually, because I played so much Vassal at one point, um, for the majority of this year, I've had no one local to me to play against. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And my shift didn't allow me to get to many tournaments. So I mean, over, I think it was April, May time. Was that when we were playing most? I think it was. Um, I've banished an average of two to three games a day every day for about wow. you know six or seven weeks uh, against different people so that's always one of the best things you know i've learned stuff from some of the american guys i've played and i've put it into my own crew build because it's like something you wouldn't think of because it's a different meta so that is a big thing as well meeting uh, you know new people i've a couple of guys from australia that they've been great games against them um you know you get these gotcha moments where they get you the first time because it's something new (laughs) and you kind of learn from it and it's because it is it's different different metas do play the game differently as you've said before in different things is there anything, Steve, that you miss, though? So when you're playing on Vassal, uh, or uh, let me phrase it another way. When you get it, finally get a game in on, in, in real life, w- what is it about playing with in real life that, uh, that you miss when you're playing in Vassal? Of course, it's the miniatures game. I mean, Vassal has cost me a load of money as well because I play new things and buy new stuff. So <laughs> obviously, playing, playing, playing with my miniatures is great. Having someone there across from you and the chat afterwards. I mean, we do a bit of chat sometimes, but. You know, sometimes the microphone's cut off and you get technical issues, which you don't get in real life. I mean, you can yeah. get real life issues, but they're not technical ones. Um, being able to just, you know, well, you've finished your game. It's eight o'clock at night. Let's go down the pub for a couple of pints. You know, you can't do that on Vassal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, um, it, it God forbid we get out of the house. Right. Um, yeah, and I think it's the social the, aspect, isn't it? It is. And, and it's, it's a big thing that I love about about all tabletop stuff that's why i love playing board games it's why i love playing miniature games is um is that social aspect but uh boy the ability you know on demand to be able to get two or three games in in a week let alone a day um is really a way to just get better at the game um i mean malifo is a game that you have to play to be better at you can theory foe and argue on the forums all day long but until you have actually moving models and flipping cards you're not going to get better at this game um and i think if there's ever been a strong sales pitch for vassal it's that it's the fact that you can get in multiple games um across multiple metas um guys we're going to take a quick break when we get back from this break i want to talk a little bit um with uh, dan and steve about some of the events that they've run uh, on vassal and then talk about maybe one of the things some of the things they've got planned for the future so we'll be right back Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business and nobody has better quality and selection than Mats by Mars. They're waterproof and they roll and unroll easily and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order if you really want to support us in the notes of your order request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat it's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler again that's mat by mars use the promo code third floor to get a 10 percent discount details are in the show notes so at this point hopefully you've uh 
realize that uh, Vassal is something definitely at least to check out, um, especially if you are uh, a competitive player or somebody who's in a nice, you know, in a situation where you're just not getting it in as many games that you want to get into. But um, Dan, you have run more than a few events uh, via Vassal, um, and they've been truly global events. Um, can you kind of walk us through what, uh, you know, what, what a, an event looks like or a tournament looks like on Vassal? So I, I've, I've run two now uh, events, um, and literally we've had people from all over the world. I mean, I, I have to say I haven't got locations on them, but I've, I've actually got up some of the time zones, and it's it's literally spanning the, the entire time zone sort of spectrum. You know, any, everybody's sort of five hours behind us in the UK to, you know, four or five hours ahead of us. So it is a really wide spread of people from across the, you know, from across the world. Um, so the two events that I've run so far have, Sort of, sort of mirrored what I've been used to playing uh, in terms of like three days, sort of three game, one day tournaments. Um, now, the thing with Vassal is that um, I guess one of the good things about having a tournament set up this way is that you don't have to have the game set at the same time. So, generally, what I will do is you have a two week period. You know, I will sort of put the fixtures out at the beginning of the week and say you've got two weeks now to get your game in against your opponent. Um, and then you've got two weeks to get the game in, to get back to get the result back to myself, and I will put them up. You know, two weeks like you know, the next round up two weeks later, uh, essentially. Do you, now here's a question for you, Dan. Do you impose time limits on the rounds like you would in real life, or do you let people just play all five uh, five rounds, five turns? Uh, no, I I don't. I I just let them play the full five uh, turns. That's um, good. I don't impose time limits. Um, not being around at the time i'm not like a, a live to i'm not there making judge calls i'm sort of you know, not standing over with the time or what have you um i think it depends a little bit on vassal itself as well i think it's if you're not used to playing vassal the games can take a little bit longer um than your standard Vass- uh, malifaux game um people who play regularly i mean we tell you know me and steve will have a game easily within an hour and a half Mostly because he's cleared my models off the table at that point. Um, but you can easily <laughs> get a game in two, two and a half hours um, once you get used to it. Um, but again, if you're not used to it, it might take you three, maybe three and a half. I've heard stories of four-hour games, but I think at that point it's, it's people not playing, you know, they're, they're playing at a more leisurely yeah. pace. Uh, but again, it's I'm not going to impose that on them. Um, we haven't got the same time constraints you do at a tournament. You know, you're not going to try and get three games in a day and then get everybody back home. Um, so I'll let people play at their own pace. So, Steve, have you participated in some of dance tournaments? Um, I participated in the last one. Yes, I did. Um, unfortunately, uh, the final game, which was the top table game as well, uh, me and my opponent couldn't uh, manage to like get our time zones together as it were our free time uh, so we ended up having to put down for a draw the pair of us although that still left him at the top of me at second so I can't complain <laughs> too much uh, so how was that experience though in general going through the different rounds and having it spread out over several weeks I mean it's, it's good because I get a lot of games in between time anyway if I get the chance um, so it's just matching up the time is actually having a designated time for one is actually quite good uh you just got to make sure that you can get in for it you organize it with your opponent see when you've both got the free time and uh play the game then and if you've got time afterwards it's always good to chat about the games as you do anyway and that's the difference between i think a vassal tournament and a um day tournament yes we have the social aspect of the day but because it's the limited time you can only talk with your opponent for so much time afterwards or the other people whereas with this you know you can always do a a post-game review straight away you know especially for some of the newer players either to Malifaux itself or to Vassal is like you know what did I do wrong what can I do better what did you think of my crew you know and you just have a bit of a chat about it and say how much broken Shenlong is (laughs) (laughs) well actually this makes me think of something I don't think we mentioned which is the ability to watch a match um so Steve you can go in and you can you can be an observer on a game too right Oh yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, it's, that helps best if people are using Discord because you can get more people in the same channel. Because um, watching a game silently isn't isn't the best experience. You kind of can see a little bit what's going on, but it is definitely better if you can go and the Discord. On. Yeah, I, I tend to get, if I go in and watch a game, I'll turn my mic off and just have the uh, the sound on so I can hear. So I'm not interfering with their game because. Uh, 
you could go on and start touching things. Obviously, we ask people not to. Um, same as you wouldn't do. You wouldn't go over to someone's table and start picking right. things up. I know the internet, people can be a bit less um, polite, I guess. But I haven't encountered that in Vassal. You know, the, the game comes on. And you can go in, go and watch it, see how people are getting on. You can't see either side's cards until they flip them. Um, same as if you were um, an observer in a normal game. So it is quite good. You know, people learn... Um, other crews, you know, I've seen some interesting games going on and you like some interesting plays as well and it really confuses you and then you like, it works out and you're like, oh, that's what they were doing. But yeah. Well, and it's learning, right? Uh, exactly. Again, seeing, seeing that different stuff. So, um, Dan, talk to me about uh, some kind of dreams or things that you, you you hope to do here maybe in the next year or two um, or what you'd like to see happen on Vassal. Yeah, I mean, I said, I've, for, for, for a start, I guess the sort of, sort of, the sort of lot small tournaments I'm doing, I'd like to see. I mean, at the moment, we've got 30 people. Um, you know, if we can see 40, 50, 60 people, that would be great. Um, one of the things that I'm running, which I'm hoping to run in the new year, um, is a Vassal League. So essentially, depending on people's time zones, because I always try and match them up by time zones, is rather than running sort of a three round, you know, you just play three people is that you essentially get put into groups and you play anybody within that group. Um, and then, of course, it's then trying to, you know, we can get enough people and enough interest for a, yeah, a UK group, uh, potentially the potential for me to shift out some prize support. If we can get a US group, you know, that'd be cool uh, and stuff like that. And then and then from there, I know it's, it's something that uh, myself and you have talked about in passing, and it sounds like a really cool idea, is to do a US versus UK round. Um, which I think would be a great idea. I'd love to get that going and um, do some sort of round robin, you know, the best of the UK versus the best of the US or whoever we can get on the system at the time uh, and get that going. Because I think that'd be a really, really fun event. Um, and maybe if we can get it on the on the YouTube as well. Yeah. I mean, so, so here's my dream, guys, is uh, next year in 2020, around October-ish, we're going to have our US Masters, right? Uh, which will be really the kind of the first time we've had anything nearly as structured as you guys have. Um, and when we finish that, we should, you know, be, we should know who the top two, three, four, five, six players are based off of the results of that two day tournament. And then remind me guys, when is, uh, when is the masters usually on your side? Uh, that's January, um, usually for us. So that's, yeah, I think it's, we just got the dates from Aussie the day and that's, um, today, in fact, uh, 18th, 19th of January, I believe it's going to be. So what my thought is, is that, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the U S masters in October, November, and then you guys figure out your masters in, uh, you know, January of 2021. I do think it'd be really cool to say, take the top three, top four off of each one, you know, based on who we can get involved with and do a round Robin where everybody on the U S team plays everybody on the UK team. And then, uh, just kind of sort it out from there. Um, so I, I really would love to see that happen. And so one of the things that I think would be cool between now and then though, is to, you know, pit, pit some people that we see out here on the podcast a lot against each other and on Vassal. So, um, I know that, um, uh, I've been talking to uh, Steve and those guys about it here on this side and Cody. Um, but, uh, uh I think that's something that maybe at the beginning of the uh, year that we can try to coordinate. Oh, definitely. If we can get uh, our guys onto Vassal and using it, um, it'll do. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a good chance to speak to uh, a good friend of the show, Jamie Varney, um, over the weekend. And he said he'd be, uh, I think he was very interested in looking into Vassal. And then I, when I suggested the opportunity to perhaps play with some of your guys as well, he's like, yeah, he was up for that. Um, so I'm sure we can get some of the guys across. Um, yeah, I think so too. And I think, uh, that'll be our homework for the three of us is, uh, let's shoot for, uh, maybe at least, at least getting one of the, uh, across pond matches from some of these people that we hear about all the time on the deep dives. We'll uh, try to make that happen. All right, guys, let's take one more quick break. And what I want to do is these guys are coming fresh off of the English nationals. It just happened this past weekend while we're recording. And I want to talk to these guys about, uh, some of the hot topics that came out of that. So we'll be right back. So how much are three or four of these episodes worth to you a month? Third Floor Wars has a Patreon, and if you think they're worth a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month, swing by and become a patron. 
We have polls to decide the next episode of the pod, along with early releases of articles and podcasts. Everything we release goes out to everyone, but sometimes our patrons get a head start. The link is in the show notes, or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Thanks for the support. Quick shout out to the patrons that uh, joined us in December. Uh, big thanks to Jonathan Kelly, Richard Walters, Mike P., Nathan Howe, Craig Chuba, Alastair Kunif, Decca Goody, and Adam Rogers. Guys, we appreciate your help. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. So uh, today is Monday, the 11th of, uh, and uh, literally they just got done playing yesterday. Um, and of course the weird place is already um, up in arms. People are setting stuff on fire, uh, talking about different things based off of the data. And, you know, a couple things before we kind of launch into this one, uh, it, you know, it was a big event. There was a lot of people, they played seven rounds. Um, so I would say up to this point, it's probably the biggest data set of competitive play we've seen. I mean, it was much bigger than Nova. Uh, at the same time, the data is not that big. Um, so, uh, Steve, you know, one of the things I hear, uh, saw in posts today was people uh, screaming about the concentration of factions up towards the top. And you had some interesting thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, there was, what, 86 players and Thunders took four of the top five. But if you actually look at the results, Anywhere from 5th down to 31st, there's one game in it, you know. I came in 5th place, I had 15 points. Um, you know, uh, 30, 31st had 12 points. So if I'd have lost a game, I'd have dropped, you know, what's that, 26 places. So it, even though it's it looks like it's tight, it's just the fact that by the end of 7 games, people get tired as well. So depends how well you are, how far you've traveled, um, how well rested you are, how much you had to drink the night before. I know Jamie does better when he's been drinking. Um, I don't think he drank enough this weekend. <laughs> um, but it does, it depends on, there's a whole lot of factors other than gameplay. You know, some people start making more mistakes as the weekend goes on. And it is, there's hardly any difference between, you know, 26 different places there could have completely changed it. Um, so, it is a small pool. The only thing that's probably an outlier there is the guild came in at 43 at the top. Yeah. Other than that, but is that down to the, the top players not playing guild? What's the reason for that? Who knows? I mean, I know, I think, I believe if, um, Matt, who's a friend of the show goes back to, uh, guild, then Jamie gets to pick up possibly Arcanist. I can't remember exactly what he said, but there's, there's a reason that Matt's not going back to guild just yet. Yeah, and and it um just the guild results themselves is very telling too. I think Steve, because we we don't know why yet, right? Is it just because there's not a ton of U- people in the UK playing guild? Do is there a chicken and egg where competitive players just happen to not be playing guild, but if they did, they would do well with them, or competitive players avoiding guild for a reason? I think people are trying out new things. Um, we've actually got a lot of new names in this year. Um, lots of people I've never seen before, never played before, and I've been fairly you know frequent within the uh, uk tourney scene um for the last five years and there's a lot of names i don't recognize obviously there's names that, that i do but there are a lot of new names and i think the old names have moved on to new interesting factors they'll go back to them um lewis who won last year uh, he's been organizing a lot of tournaments this year i mean he won with guild last year he's organized a lot of tournaments so he hasn't had the play time and then he um only had one fully painted in theme crew i believe and that was his euripides so he didn't take the guild with him yep uh, he'll probably correct me if i'm wrong anyway um he likes to um so it, this, there's a whole bunch of reasons why I'm actually going on to Guild after this weekend. Uh, I've just got to round out some keywords, and then I'm going to be trying out Guild at tournaments myself. Uh, mostly because I like playing the underdogs. 
than they appear to be at the moment. Yeah, and I can tell you that uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the guild is just as good as any other faction because I really don't know, and quite frankly, I don't think anybody does. Um, what I can tell you is that we have a we have a very good guild player here. One of our better players, uh, Jesse, uh, plays guild. And uh, every time I hear somebody poo-poo on Guild, I just say, well, okay, well, pl- play uh, play Jesse, play his um, uh, Lucius, play his uh, Nelly crew, uh, play against him when he's using uh, Dashel, and then just tell me how, you know, how weak Guild is. How about you, Dan? What are some of your hot takes from the weekend? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, I think a lot of the top tables were also using single masters. And I think the thing to remember is the game is still fairly new. I think there's still a lot of things that people are not quite 100% sure what everything does quite right, you know, exactly. And I think a lot of people have, a lot of table, top tables have gone, well, I'll try and perfect this particular master and not go for sort of a scattergun approach and try and take the best master for each thing. And I think that might lead to it maybe a few issues with the guild. Obviously, they've got a new master in Dashiell, who's not had an awful lot of his keyword for a long time. I know Lucius has gained a lot of new models. Nelly's gained a lot of new models. So I think maybe maybe the sort of weakness in the guild is the fact that the top players haven't had a chance to really get those models on the table for a long time and sort of maximize that. And sort of gone, well, you know, Shenlong's monk crew is still the same monk crew from second edition. I've got all the models for that. Let's get that on the table and play that. Um, and the crews that haven't really changed an awful lot in terms of the model sort of makeup, they can still use their old models. Let's get those on the table. Let's get practice with those and get sort of tournament ready with that rather than trying to use new stuff. Yeah, I agree, Dan. I mean, you can't, if you're not, if you're not playing, if you're only playing with released models, then you're not going to have an effective, effective Lucius crew. You're not going to have an effective Dashel crew because you don't even have a totem. Uh, and you're definitely not going to have an effective, um, Nelly crew either. Um, so I think that's actually a, a really good point, Dan. Um, so last thing, and I'm going to ask this question to both of you, but we'll start with Dan. So Dan, I need you to think of two models. Um, let's pretend that you had a chance to submit two models to uh, the guys at Weird. I need one model that you wish that they would look at to maybe get a little bit better because you wish it saw more table time, and then a model that you think they should look at and maybe consider toning it down just a little bit. But let's start with the positive. What's a model you wish was a little bit better so you could get it on the table more? Um, I'm going to say Reva. Um, of the, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm new to residents this year. I've just bit them up, and I am using Vassal. I've had the opportunity to play all the masters across. Um, and I think, and I think Reva's keyword is. It's it's a little bit convoluted to try and get all the power on the table at any one time. I think there is power there, um, and I think somebody eventually is going to come along and do a really good job with Reva. But I think it's so hard to try and get everything working at all at one time. You know, you're trying to yeah. get so much stuff. You know, you pay your markers and you're burning and corpse markers and you're shielded, and you're trying to get all that in sync and working, and then you're trying to do strats and schemes on top of that. Um, I think that needs looking at in some way and simplifying down a bit. Um, in terms of something that's too strong, um, I'll try and say something that isn't Shenlong because, I mean, Steve will hate me for going on and on about Shenlong. <laughs> um, really, really difficult. Maybe Stitched. Yeah. I, I think I think, I think the idea behind Gamble Your Life is just a little bit too... It gets around too much defensive tech that's just like it doesn't seem balanced in a way that's, you know, you get around some, but not all. It's a really weird mix of defensive tech gets around. Yeah. I like the idea of stitched. I like the idea of gamble your life. I think it's fun. I think it's quirky and kind of cool. Um, but it's also really potent. Um, so I know what you're saying, Dan, that like, I'd like, if they do look at stitched, I hope they don't take that away. Cause I do think that that's, what's kind of fun about them. Um, but, uh, boy, if you've ever gotten slapped twice by those guys, that can be pretty rough. How about you, Steve? What's a, what's a model you wish was a little bit better so you could see them on the table more. Um, that's actually quite a tough one. Uh, there's quite a few really that are already not making it. Um, you know, union steam fitters, I don't know what they do yet. They maybe have a really good, uh, toolbox going on with them but considering they went from one of the strongest kind of support minions in uh second edition to what they are now and no one's taking them yeah um 
you know, and I, I brought a box and I don't think I put any together. And currently I'm not looking to put any together. <laughs> You're not so, missing them. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. Um, so, and possibly yeah, out of the new models, you've got the fire branded because people are looking at those and going, why would I take one of those over yep. a silent one? Well, and they're such pretty models too. That's the shame of it. They are exactly, and they're one of the they're new models. They're really nice looking, yep. but no one wants to use them. I and mean, they, I, I do see silent ones taken out of keyword into Keras Cruise. Right, right. Which which goes against the keyword idea. Um, exactly. Yeah. How about uh, how about a model other than Shenlong that you think needs attention? <laughs> well, I know even as a play him, he does. But um, I would <laughs> I would possibly say Yan Lo. Um, I've played against him a fair bit, and. Everyone complains about Shenlong, but I don't think Yan Lo's seen enough table time. But when people do, yeah. they'll forget Shenlong because he is so powerful. Um, things like having a permanent concealing hazardous aura. You know, every other master who's got a hazardous aura has to spend an action putting it up. Just simple things like that. It all adds up. And, you know, I've never actually, I, I kind of ignore Yan Lo now whenever I play against him because I know there's nothing I can do to him. I've mm-hmm. got him down to one wound and he comes back with like, full wounds and he's bounced around and killed three models in the meantime as well somehow because it's all free and you're like okay i don't know what's going on with him but i think he does need looking at yeah i'll tell you um same thing as dan said with the stitched is i don't i hope they don't i like i like the place where yen lo is as far as within the factions and things like that. And I like that he's got his really his own play style and his own feel, but Holy cow in the right hands, it, that can just be a devastating, devastating keyword to go up against. Um, so, uh, even though, um, I should have mentioned that you couldn't bring up a reser, uh, as being needing attention, uh, you did anyway. And, uh, I can't tell you you're wrong, Steve. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, he's also thunders. So, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. So maybe they'll just touch the thunder side of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I really enjoyed this. Um, I'm going to have to figure out a time to really, um, really hook up and play a game with either one of you. Um, because the last time I played Vassal was well over a year ago. Um, and I'd like to g- get doing it again. So uh, I'll be bugging you guys. And for those of you listening, um, I can tell you, having played a couple of Vassal games, having watched a couple of Vassal games, it's something to explore. And again, it's um, really good for getting your reps in for trying out new lists uh for playing outside of your meta and getting ideas and um especially for those of you people that i see post on weird play saying i can't get in a game nobody around here plays um it's not as good as playing in real life but uh it's still playing malifaux so you should definitely check it out um guys other than all the links that we're going to put into the show notes to help people get up and running for vassal steve do you have any other plugs that you want to bring up um no obviously I mean, we're coming to the end of the season, really, for the UK. So I know, I don't know when this is planned to go out, but obviously there'll be the side events to Masters next year. So even if you haven't got into Masters, consider coming to the side events. It's a great weekend. You know, there's uh, two days of gaming. There's always good social around the UK scene. So, you know, that's in, uh, I think, 18th or 18th, 19th of January. So it's definitely worth looking into. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I've got um, I've got Breach North, which uh, a good friend of the show, Carl, is running, uh, which will be my next event. Um, and then I said, I guess it's, uh, I don't know what's happening. I'm not going to be going to Masters myself. I'm nowhere near tough enough, uh, good enough for that. Um, and it's, I don't know, I mean, it might come down to side events, um, but I'm really looking forward to the uh, the ITC next year, which is held sort of 20 minutes from where I live. Um, it's a team a tournament, so it's a little bit different. Uh, and, you know, we get teams from all over the world. So, uh, I mean, it's another Dave Brown event. He's, you know, he's, he's a top henchman and does a really good job. Um, but hopefully yeah. again, that one this year, um, that was my first sort of Malifaux competition and I had really good fun there. Um, again, playing in teams. So it's a different dynamic to playing solo. Um, and you're just going to meet so many people from different matters, different parts of the world and stuff like that so looking forward to that next year that's cool all right guys uh thanks again and uh thanks to everybody who's listening we'll see you next time be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear while you're there check out how the usfo tour is shaping up how does your conference compare to the others in the united states where do you rank nationally Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. 
Howdy friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Maybe we should do a couple, maybe try to organize a practice one, um, you know, between now and then we've got a ton of time, uh, maybe get some people that uh, we hear here on the podcast a lot. So if we can get maybe James Doxy, get yeah. Alex. Uh, oh, hold on. My sister, my daughter's here. Hold on. Uh, all right. Can you, can I, I'll come right downstairs in a second and we'll do this. Okay. I know, but I'm, I'm talking right now, but I'll come right down. I promise. Okay. Sorry guys. God, I've actually got a vassal up because it's been a while since I've done it myself. Um, it says, I was ready for this, honest. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right. Um, what do you guys feel like talking about? I think I was going to talk about, um, get your thoughts about the faction breakout um, at the top. Um, a part of me doesn't even want to talk about Shenlong. Um, no. I mean, I know Thunder's obviously hit the top a lot, but as I've pointed out in a couple of posts, if you actually go all the way down to 31st, there's one game in it, so it's not that bad. Okay, you know what? Let, let's start with you, Steve, because I, I remember reading that, and I think that was a really good point. Is um, And this gets into sample size, right? And it gets into um, you're putting too much into looking at a small little focus piece. So uh, I might start with that faction breakdown with you, Steve. All right, so I'll bring us back. <laughs> 